joined by Param F. Tikari. Param is the Executive Vice President at Cyber Risk Alliance and has an extensive leadership experience in the cybersecurity industry. Param, how are you today? Gene, I'm good. Doing very well. Getting ready for uh, the holidays and uh, excited to be here chatting with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Parm and I are uh, recording this a couple of days before Christmas and uh, we're both located in the uh, Boston area. And we were just joking because Parm is still relatively new to the area and just recently visited one town over Cambridge. So we're really excited that he's uh, venturing outside of his comfort zone. But uh, we're excited to record this podcast with you and thanks for doing it. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, Boston, two years and and slowly, slowly leaving the downtown area. So maybe next time we do one of these, I'll have gone even further. Who knows? That's right. We'll, we'll just see your adventures, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so can you tell our listeners, and uh, just to remind you, many of our listeners are, are new to cybersecurity and looking to learn more about it, which is why we're excited to have you and to tell our listeners about uh, Cyber Risk Alliance. Cyber Risk Alliance, we are a fairly young organization. We've really only been around for four or five years, but because of our growth model, which is primarily through acquisition, we are now the nation's largest pure play cybersecurity uh, events, media, research, and uh, education organization. Essentially, what we're driving towards as an organization is to be the best source for professional development and leadership development for individuals who are either trying to get into the cybersecurity space who are in the cyberspace looking to advance their career or all are already CISOs and at the top of the kind of hierarchy, so to speak, in terms of a role and are looking to learn tactics and techniques to better manage their teams and develop the next generation of leaders. And so my role at Cyber Risk Alliance is really primarily focused on the CISO and executive engagement uh, and our leadership programs. So we have a number of parts of the, of the business that really focus on executives, next generation of executives and cultivating leadership skills and giving CISOs tools and resources to better manage their teams. And then other parts of the business have, we have you know media, SC Media, we have podcasts, we have trade shows. So we have a, a real rich bench of resources for many of your listeners to take advantage of as they fulfill their career goals and aspirations. Absolutely. And I'll just give a plug to uh, any CISOs that are listening that aren't as familiar with the Cyber Risk Alliance. Great organization. I've attended a bunch of their events and definitely a passionate group of CISOs that are uh, championing events uh, throughout the country. So for our CISOs, uh, definitely reach out to Parham and learn more about what's going on with the uh, regional events. Thank you, Gene. Yeah, we're we're very lucky. We've grown to uh, just under 900 uh, CISOs and other cybersecurity executives in about 15 cities across the country who trust us to not just get on the phone and do some research with them, but uh, as you mentioned, bring them together with technology partners like ThreadX to talk about the challenges they're facing and ultimately how we can work together to solve them to defend against uh, you know nation state threats and cyber criminals. So it's a, it's a good group. We're very fortunate to have uh, folks like yourself and your company and, and just the whole community around us. So next year is going to be a great year. Yeah, looking forward to it. So in your current role, you get a bird's eye view of the cybersecurity industry, and you talk a lot about the cybersecurity leaders uh, across industries. Based on the view, what would you tell our listeners looking into the industry about the opportunities available within cyber? A good place to start is, for better or for worse, if you know, cybersecurity is a fantastic field to get into. I've been in, in almost exclusively focused on cyber for, I'd say, about 10 years now. And, uh, you know, the threats keep getting increasing in volume, increasing in 
uh, intensity, and because of how rapidly we're adopting technology as a global society, the outcomes and consequences of cyber attacks become more and more severe. Right, A number of years ago, we were really just talking about businesses losing data, governments losing data, and of course, those are major consequences. But now, as we see technology evolving, uh, particularly with IoT and OT, there's really a cyberkinetic connection and digital uh, attacks and digital threats can actually have real world consequences. People have pacemakers that are Bluetooth enabled. We have, you know, we have a technology that we rely on to move around physically or, or to run our hospitals and our, you know, operational systems uh, that if they go down, could it actually have caused harm to people? So, you know, I think that it's important to remember that this is a problem that uh, is going to continue to grow. And so what we need as a community are talented, ambitious, driven individuals to come in and play a role in essentially protecting our country, our assets and our allies against criminals, whether they're cyber criminals looking to um, exploit vulnerabilities for financial gain or whether it's nation state that have other more uh, you know, geopolitical and nation state kind of strategic goals and what they're doing. There is a huge need. And so I think, you know, anyone thinking about a career path that wants to get into technology, I'm obviously biased, but I always point them into cyber because, and Gina, as you know, I I haven't looked at the most recent study, but, you know, we're always hearing, you know, one, one and a half, two million jobs available at any time. I mean, the the need is is massive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I totally agree that the the types of people that we're looking for to to join this industry, I think it's a a lot about self-initiative. We talk also about people wanting to work in a dynamic environment, you know, th- this has definitely got those types of opportunities. So, yeah. so you started your career in the, the public sector. So maybe you could share a little bit with our listeners about the cyber opportunities in the government and maybe some of the myths or myth busting we should do about working for the government. Yeah, absolutely. So the government has, you know, I, I think it's really important separate politics from the business of government. The vast majority of the literally hundreds of thousands of people that work in the government uh, ecosystem, defense, civilian, intel, and of course, state and local, they're not partisan. They're doing that. They're doing their job. A lot of them because they actually feel that they are. this is their way of giving back to their country, giving back to their nation. All, obviously, we all respect and have great admiration and gratitude for uh, the folks who put their lives on the line in, in terms of the military or kind of local law enforcement. But there's a lot of ways to serve your country. And so Going into government is really a great way to do that. I think the other thing that is a benefit for getting into government service is there really is a tremendous amount of resources put into training and cultivating employees, and and, and particularly in cyber and technology. So, you know, getting into the public sector, you're going to have opportunities to have a diverse set of experiences. You could work in the intelligence community and the defense community and civilian agencies. There's so many, think about the services that the government provides, everything from healthcare to agriculture to you know space exploration to defense. Um, really any, any path you wanna take in a, in a career, you can start in the government, get some training, have job security, because once you're in the government, you know, it's frankly very difficult to get fired, to be quite honest with you. And so it's a great job security space. I think the one thing that, to be candid, and this is a struggle the government faces, is that government has to compete with the private sector for qualified candidates. We just talked about the big shortfall. So you have Silicon Valley, they can sometimes pay a lot more than government. And so government sometimes loses out. I would say that if you're trying to break into this industry, 
government is really looking for individuals who want to get into cyber, want to get into technology, and they will train you and they will get, give you a degree and you get certifications. And once you spend three, four, five years in government, you become very attractive to the private sector because of the institutional knowledge you have now around how the government works, relationships that you built, and it is, looks great on a resume. And, and and anyone who has a government background has gone to private sector can say that just speaks. And Gene, you, you do a lot of hiring like I do. When you see someone with a government background, it's impressive and, and is respectable. And, and, and so I think it's something that gets overlooked. But I, I strongly encourage you know your viewers to uh, and listeners to you know see what's out there. Go to um, jobs.gov and you can search around uh, or you know obviously feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I have a lot of resources I could point you to. Well, I think that's just great guidance, uh, especially because I, I talk with a lot of candidates, uh, even people that we've hired. We see the number of applications we get per position, so it can feel pretty overwhelming and maybe a little frustrating for new people trying to get in the industry because they listen to this podcast and we talk about how many open positions, but then they're having difficulty breaking in. Uh, and I think that guidance that you're giving Imparum about starting with the government side of things is is awesome because I think it can be slightly less competitive and a fantastic place to start. And who knows, you might love it there. You like the stability. You know, these startups are big companies and ebbing and flowing and layoffs and things like, hey, you know, yeah. crush it in the government. And uh, and to your point, there are just so many avenues. You can have multiple, multiple careers over the course of your lifetime by reinventing yourself across different parts of the government. Uh, so I think that's just great guidance that you're giving them for sure. Yeah. And I, and and again, I think with regards to the government, the other thing is when you get into a government agency, particularly in cyber, you know, you really get exposed and have access to some of the brightest, most brilliant minds in the country and, 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 and you know, sometimes in the world, you know, the process, and I don't, I don't want to go too far into this, down this path, but when you look at what happens every four years or eight years, a new administration comes in and that administration will appoint, there's career employees and then there's appointees, right? And the appointees, a lot of times they lead very lucrative positions and major organizations because again, it's a huge pedigree boost for them to say, hey, I was appointed. I don't care what I was doing at this billion dollar plus organizations at sea level. I'm now running security at DHS or security at the DOD, or I'm advising the Secretary of Defense and XYZ. That's massive. And, and you might be entry level or just starting your career, but you will be in those rooms at a minimum. You'll probably be in a room listening to those people talk. And that's a great way to build your relationship. So, you know, you'll learn a lot. It's good job security, but you're in the networking that you'll get and the access you'll have to very, very talented and accomplished people is also a huge benefit to the government. Uh, and so I, I, I can't speak strongly enough about it. I know very few people that regret um, their career in the government and the whole government bureaucracy, as you just said, Gene, that exists everywhere. Bureaucracy and, and frustrations are in the public yep. and private sectors. So you're not gonna, it's not better one, one place or the other. <laughs> it's different, absolutely. Right, yeah. <laughs> so um, I know you feel strongly about career success is closely tied to ability of somebody to present themselves and, and equally as important to advocate for themselves. So those things can be really hard for introverted people. So what advice would you give to people on this subject and how do you think they can kind of overcome that intimidating aspect of uh, putting yourself out there? When I talk about this, I often refer to my own journey, my own background I do a lot of public speaking now. I publish, I host events, I speak at things. People sometimes are surprised to hear that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I was comfortable with people, 
but I was a disaster on stage. Get on stage, I talk really fast, I get sweaty. I would try to talk about things that I didn't know, and then I'd kind of sound like a, like I didn't know what I was what, what I was doing. And so I think the biggest thing that my biggest advice is first of all, don't be afraid to acknowledge and accept where you're at and what it is, you know, where you want to be and identify what are the skills that you need to acquire uh, or what you need to polish to get to that kind of your desired end state and just slowly work towards it. It's not going to happen overnight. For example, if you're intimidated by interviewing or public speaking, go interview for some jobs that you probably don't want. You're not going to really, you really want to get, it'll give you that experience. You know, I, I remember I used to have my own, I had my own company for many years. I still do. Uh, but before I worked for CRA and I would get headhunted and I would just take the interview because it's good to meet people, but it was also just good to keep my, uh, my um, kind of interviewing skills fresh. I think the other thing is to find a mentor. I wish I would have found an official mentor many years before I did. But when you, when you get a mentor, somebody you trust, and there's a lot of folks, particularly in cyber and Gene, you know, this, um, and that's kind of one of the, the, the goals of this, of this show, you know, here today, right. people are passionate about this. And if you find the right person in your court, uh, they will not only give you practical advice on, oh, let me introduce you to this person. Let me t- tell you about this job opportunity. But you should ask them for feedback. You know, I've gone to the people that I that I respect. Some of them are officially my mentor. Some of them are just folks that I I respect and look up to. And I and I ask them for feedback. I say, hey, so you know, how do you think I did on stage? Or like, did what I say make sense? Or like, read this thing that I wrote. Do you think it's on track or not? And be humble. Right. You can't get offended, you know, because if, if you want to improve and grow, the only way to do that is to have people tell you where you have opportunities for growth. And if you get defensive and get your guard up, two things happen. You're not going to actually take the advice. So you want to improve. And then people are going to be like, well, I don't want to tell Parm anything. He's an asshole. Every time I tell him something, he gets pissed. And so they're going to stop giving you feedback. And every time you talk right. to him, like, no, that was great. And it might not have been great. So I think the keys to me are humility, getting feedback, finding people you trust. And depending on what it is you're trying to overcome, you know, um, for example, for me, public speaking, I hate doing it, but I watch myself on all the videos that I do, right? Every time mm-hmm. podcast, I listen to it and I'm my own worst critic. And when everyone says, God, you did amazing, I can say, I can tell you 20 things that I did horribly wrong in my opinion. And so I think also being reflective and as much as you can, have you stood in front of a mirror and introduced yourself to somebody, right? If that's where you're at in your career, you're just getting started and you're interviewing, stand in front of a mirror jot down your talking points of how you want to introduce yourself and go through it and rehearse it. Right. I mean, I do that for my my talk. So I think it's just some good old fashioned hard work, trust, humility, and getting some good guidance that'll, I think, help you overcome these things. No, I think those are all great, great points. And I think it's putting yourself out there. I think it's when you're uncomfortable, you're probably closer to an opportunity uh, than you ever have in your life. And if you're in your safety zone, you probably aren't. So the more you put yourself out there, I, I always say like, I'm comfortable doing my podcast, I'm comfortable talking to thousands of people, but put me at a Cyber Risk Alliance cocktail hour. You know, I'm okay with it. I've, I've gotten better at it, but it's not something I enjoy. So, but I think about that as a you know, practice skill, like, okay, yeah. how do you walk up to three people you don't know and introduce yourself and start a discussion? And like those types of life skills have really paid dividends. And to your point, it's not always what you like to do, but it's an aspect of growing your career and advancing yourself to help you especially for our listeners that are really, really introverted, there are plenty of, um, besides in-person, uh, there are plenty of groups, forums that you can get involved in in cybersecurity as, as a starting point to introduce yourself. Twitter is the same way. There's ways to get in to ease your way in so you're not showing up at a uh, 
B-side meetup in Boston where you've got to walk into a room where you know nobody and can be pretty overwhelming. Ways to ease in, get some relationships beforehand. But I think that's a great, great advice from you, Parham. So one other thing on that, you know, this is where we talk about diversity in cyber. And I think oftentimes we we naturally think about gender diversity, kind of uh, racial diversity, you know, LGBTQ um, diversity, but neurodiversity and neurodivergence is, is an important thing to focus on. And I I see I've been privileged to work with a number of folks throughout my career who are neurodivergent, and many of them are introverted, kind of traditionally, you think of them as introverted, but there's two things, right? One is that, and this is maybe a comment for the folks who are not introverted, I feel a personal responsibility when I meet somebody to make them comfortable. It's not about me being comfortable. I'm an extrovert. Okay, I think everyone who meets me knows that. So I don't need to be comfortable. I'm comfortable everywhere. So my job is to make people who aren't introverted feel comfortable around me and feel comfortable in that environment. So I think if you are on the other end of the spectrum, you know, be conscious of that. It's not about you. You know, I have plenty of time to be on stage and, and, and be in, in, in glory. But uh, if I'm in an environment where there's somebody else, particularly if they're young and trying to get in, you know, it should not shame on me if I try to make it about me and my personality and what I want to talk about. Go to that person's level. And by level, I mean where their interests are, the cadence, the speed, the tone, all those things. And mm-hmm. I think that'll that'll make it better for them. And I think for anyone who is introverted, do know that I think increasingly our industry is, a, you know, we of course talk about diversity, but the neurodivergent piece is coming into it. And so there's a there's open conversations around how to create environments that are accepting of everybody and different, mm-hmm. not just different backgrounds, but different ways of thinking, different ways of communicating. And so you should, you should I think that cyber is one area where you will be welcome and you may feel less unease because mm-hmm. of the fact that we're talking about these things. And I think increasingly, particularly more sophisticated, mature organizations, I think, are focused on these things. So I, I think, uh, you know, give it a shot. And I think in our community, you'll be uh, you'll be um, well received and you'll feel yeah. comfortable. Another excellent point. So last question. I know you've also worked with uh, several nonprofits. Can you talk a little bit about the organizations and how they might be resources for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, in general, and, and some part of this might dovetail off of the diversity comments we, we, we just made, there's a number of nonprofits out there in the cyberspace to educate generally about technical issues for mentorship. And some of our focus, obviously, on different communities. I am the um, founder and chairman of a cybersecurity think tank based in DC. It's the Institute for Critical Infrastructure Technology. In terms of you know what that group does, we are providing objective nonpartisan research and education that's used by policymakers and a lot of federal agency folks, public sector folks, to hopefully help them make better informed decisions on policies and cyber investments to, again, improve the resiliency of our nation's critical infrastructures uh, and just defend our democratic institutions. So. There are a number of groups out there like ICIT that offer objective quality research that is free. So if you're looking to um, kind of brush up on your knowledge, it's different from media, right? Media is like current events. I think nonprofit research organizations give you more substance from a thought leadership perspective and help frame the way that you should look at some issues and create your own points of view on, on different challenges and technologies and whatnot. I think on the other end, every community, every city has uh, chapters of various organizations. You know, IC Squared is a great organization. There's ISACA, there's ISSA. There are a number of ones that are focused on women in cybersecurity or minorities in cybersecurity. Uh, and so, you know, I would encourage if you just do a quick Google search and depending on where you are, just type in Boston Cybersecurity Group, Boston Cybersecurity Association, Women in Cybersecurity Group. 
just type in some basic keywords, you'll find a plethora of them. The other really good place to go, you know, and just in general, go on LinkedIn. You know, uh, I often run into people, like Uber drivers, or I'm getting them like a mani pedi. You know, start talking. They're like, "Oh, my brother wants to get in cyber." I'm like, "Connect with me." I'll, the first thing I say is, "Hit me up on LinkedIn." And then, because the first thing I'll tell them is like, "Hey, you got to get active on LinkedIn, and you'll meet a lot of people, and and, and you'll get a lot of resources." So I think right. you can get involved, and there's different resources that are out there that are free. I think the associations are some, uh, but I also think LinkedIn is a real another really good way. And and yeah. you got to just get out there and get involved. Absolutely, just start building your network, and you can start by linking in with uh, Parm and myself, and yep. we're more than you know. I, I put my m- money where my mouth is. I'm glad to put put the time in to try to help. Uh, just in the process of helping a young gentleman uh, who reached out to me two months ago and said he wanted to get into cyber uh, on a sales side of things. And uh, happy to say, even with this economy, he's, he's just about to get three offers before uh, the holidays. So Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really proud of him. He, just, he did all yeah. the hard work. I just made some introductions. But, uh, you know, so please reach out to us. And, uh, you know, IC Squared and many of the organizations that Parm has mentioned definitely are there and uh, there to help gartner new people into the industry so reach out to those and gene i know you guys have the uh threat academy Academy, yeah right yeah yeah so we're uh we're really excited about that and it's a you know part of the the wrap up here you know we we've been um now we've launched threat academy about three months ago and uh for our listeners that want to utilize it if they go to academy.threatx.com Put in the uh, promo code podcast, they can see all the content for free for one year. Um, so we're really excited about that. The big give back to the industry, 140 hours of the latest, greatest technology developed by our, our partner, Security Innovations, which has been doing cyber training for over 20 years. So uh, we're super excited about uh, getting that out there. So awesome. Well, Parham, I knew you'd be a great guest and you were. So thank you very much. And I'm sure you'll be your own worst critic. Uh, but I'll tell you, from my perspective, you're a great guest and a friend to ThreadX and to me. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for your time today. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Anytime, I'd love to be back. And uh, I will try to be less critical of myself, but I'm sure I'll fill up <laughs> a few things. But uh, thanks again. And and to echo what Gene said, please reach out to to hear I. Um, we'd love to, love to be of, uh, of assistance. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. Yeah.